You're listening to Flipping the Barrel Podcast, a women's perspective in oil and gas. We are your hosts, Macy and Jamie. And our mission here is simple, to bring you the untold stories of this industry. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Flipping the Barrel, a podcast where we interview leaders in the energy space to uncover and find out more about their career and life journeys. Today, we have Tracy Quinnell. She is the Vice President of Human Resources at Liberty Energy. She began her career with Liberty Energy as a Director of Human Resources in 2013. Tracy brings 20 plus years of progressive human resource experience that she gained the majority of her time in the oil field, which is one of the first times we've had somebody with this much, not just human resource experience, but also at all in the energy space. Prior to joining Liberty, Tracy worked at Superior Well Services based in Pennsylvania, building her first human resource department. You'll learn more about this in her story, as well as she oversaw the company through an IPO and an acquisition. Eventually, Superior Well Services was bought by Neighbors Industries. This was a really interesting time in Tracy's career story, so we're really excited to get into that. And not to mention, Tracy also enjoys spending time outdoors with her husband, Nelson, and son, Dominic. She is an avid archery hunter and a fly fisher woman. And what's even more interesting about that is she was once a vegetarian, so it's incredible to see that you love those things, but yet you probably wouldn't eat them at the time. But anyway, thank you so much, Tracy, for coming on, and we're so excited to get into your story. Good morning, and thank you for having me. Thank you, Tracy. Before we get started for the listeners, Tracy is someone that when walks into a room, just lights up the entire room with her energy her smile and if you're not seeing her on video go check out the youtube because you will see what i'm talking about just positive energy all around and it's good that you're an hr you know vice president of hr that's the kind of people we need there so let's get into your background you grew up in a small town in pa your father worked his way up as a blue collar worker and times weren't always easy as a town wasn't in the best economical area in Pennsylvania. And we all know kind of the Pennsylvania eras with the steel industry, et cetera. And so it was boom and up and down. However, your mom was loving and taught you to care for others and always made you feel valued and how important that was when you collab with other people. In eighth grade, you took an assessment test, and I think we've all taken something similar where it would tell you kind of what career path you should take or what you should do in the future. And it was a pivotal moment for you in that eighth grade assessment. Can you bring us back a little bit to your childhood and how it shaped you to be today and that eighth grade assessment? Absolutely. So yes, Western Pennsylvania girl here, country girl, great place to grow up, but you know, we didn't have much. I never realized that. I didn't know that we didn't have much. I didn't know we grew up differently than others. My mom especially just taught my brother and I, it doesn't matter what somebody comes from. It doesn't matter what they have. You love and you cherish every person that comes across your path. So I did. That's been my life. So it was a perfect way to grow up. And then eighth grade, we take these assessment tests. And lots of friends were saying, you should be a nurse and you should be a teacher. And my test said, you should work in human resources. And I wasn't even sure that I knew what human resources was at that point. So I did a bit of research and I called our local hospital tiny hospital, they had a human resources department. And so that was a new word at that time. You know, people used to say personnel. It was the personnel department. 
but they had moved to human resources. And I asked if I could go and job shadow and just figure out what this human resources thing was. So I went, I spent a full day with them. And I remember I drank coffee that day. I had never drank coffee, but I wanted to really fit in. So I wore a suit and I drank coffee. And I learned that this is what I was supposed to be doing. The test was right. It was taking care of people. It wasn't just, you know, making sure paychecks get out. It was genuinely taking care of people in their work life. So I knew eighth grade, I knew this is what my career was going to be. And I molded my career after that. Today's episode is brought to you by Veril Energy Solutions. Did you know that Veril has been around since 1947? They're originally known for their drill bits, but through several acquisitions, investments, and rebranding, they now offer a diversified portfolio in drilling and completions. One of their core competencies is actually global manufacturing of consumable downhole products. They solve the industry supply chain problems. We've chosen to partner with Veril because they simply get it. They focus on their employees, they're committed to diversity and inclusion, and they know their only true sustainable advantage is their people. To learn more and stay up to date, please go to www.veril.com. Veril Energy Solutions, beyond technology, beyond normal. It's so incredible every time I hear this because most people, you know, they find different things at that age that they like, but sometimes it never really turns into like a career lifelong journey like it has for you. You know, confidence as a woman is very important. And that's something that you definitely have. And we see it shining through you as well. You were close to your parents and chose to go to Indiana University of Pennsylvania. And this was the first time away from your family. I remember when we spoke, you said that you cried every day for the first two weeks of college. However, even with the stress being away hot on you, you continue to push yourself and you even took an opportunity to study abroad at Oxford for business. You were terrified. And I even remember when you were telling me this, I thought, I cannot believe you did that knowing how, you know, upset you were when you just left and you were just, you know, miles away. But this was a very important time in your life to grow your competence and also your independence. What did it teach you and what advice do you give to those who are seeking to gain the same experience, even when it's hard at first? Sure. So moving away to college, you know, I had never really been away, like you said, and I was excited. I was excited to apply for college. I was excited when I figured out who my roommate would be. I was excited until it became real. So my parents set me up in this dorm room and even that process, I was great. I was feeling like I was going to have this new independence. The second they pulled away, I sobbed, sobbed uncontrollably through my first two weeks of classes. I can't imagine what everyone thought. But I was so afraid. I was afraid to be away from what was my security my whole life and what I had always known. I will tell you that first week, I thought, you know what? Maybe college isn't for me. Maybe I should go home and get a job in my hometown. But I kept telling myself, push through. Maybe it'll be okay. And that has become something in my life because I am a crier when things change. So, you know, something changes. I get nervous. I feel like I can't handle it. I feel like I'm not qualified to handle it. And so I have told myself, you know, go back to that day. You can't quit. Push through. It's going to be okay. And it was two weeks later, I was this independent woman, you know, a whole hour and a half away from my family living my great college life. And then when I went to the UK, I had the same experience. I was super excited, like studying abroad. This is so fancy. I was really excited. And I got there and my confidence, I lost all my confidence again because it was new uncharted waters for me. 
I was with people I had never met before. I was with especially people who I felt were maybe in a higher income class than I had come from, you know, it was very different. So I sobbed, I cried and cried and then told myself, wait a minute, you know, you've got to push through this. And so glad, you know, that has been multiple experiences in my life with new jobs, with moving to new cities. It's scary. And I think people are often told, don't be afraid. Everything is going to be fine. Fear is a real feeling and it's okay to feel it as long as you know, hold on to that for a second. Go ahead and feel that fear. I cry. I don't know what other people do, but just wait because it's going to get better. Things are going to change. Sometimes that's our initial reaction and quitting at that point it could prohibit any of us from wonderful experiences in our life. So I go back to those days often and think, I still have them now. I am almost 42 years old and I still have those crying days. And then I tell myself, hold on, you know, push forward because you're never going to know what is out there, what opportunities, wonderful opportunities lie ahead if you quit because of that fear. Thank you for sharing. I love your authenticity. And it's one of the highest qualities that leaders portray for the future. It's so nice that you're so open about your struggles or even saying that you get emotional and not see it as something negative, but it's just who you are. And I love that just through when we got to meet you, it was all about like you're authentic and people love that, especially in leaders. So thank you for that. You know, how did you get into the oil and gas industry? I'm trying to think here. Small town girl from PA, your family wasn't in the industry. To your point, you were going in HR, so nothing really to do with the energy industry or even it's not like it was around you necessarily for you to know because you didn't know anyone in it. So can you tell us a little bit about how you got introduced to the industry and then what was your perception about it? Did you think it was a bad industry? Did you think it was a good industry? What were your thoughts? Sure. Okay. So it was totally coincidence. I would love to say that I was recruited to come into this industry. Not at all. So I was working, I had started as a student worker in the university when I was finishing school. And so my HR experience at this point was in a book and working with faculty and staff members. So when I had come back from the UK, I went back to the church I had been attending in college and was chatting with the greeter that day. We got to talking and turned out he was the CEO for a small oil and gas company at that time. And our conversation led to, hey, I could really use some help in HR. And, you know, I raised my hand like, oh, pick me. I said, well, here's my experience. Here's what I've done. And he said, great, let's talk about this. So we did. And I went to work for this company. So, okay, again, remember, I am coming from working with faculty and staff at a university to oil and gas. Culture change major. And you know what? I loved it. People I told were like, oh, it's going to be a bunch of wild cowboys. And I thought, I can handle that. But here's why I loved it. Every person I met out there on our locations reminded me of my dad. Hardworking, blue collar, working so hard to make ends meet for their family. And I was right away thinking, this is me. This is where I'm meant to be. And I loved that. It was a good feeling. I loved helping those people that are working so hard out there and was cognizant day one. I don't have a job in this office if those people aren't out there working in terrible weather, long hours, being away from their families. They're the ones doing the hard work. So it just fit for me. I just think that's incredible. I love this part of your story. But I think what's even more interesting about this is when you got hired and you went to work for 
what was superior. You were literally like, yes, he was right. He needed HR people. And you were thrown into the HR department, which was single you and told basically to build out the entire HR department. And you had no idea what you're doing at the time, but you ended up staying at superior for eight years. What made you stick with it? And how did you keep that positive mindset? Because I know you had to have been at moments thinking, what am I doing? I did. And it was talk about trial by error. You know, I had a textbook to base all of my decisions for these people's careers off of and quickly learned that what you learn in college, it's a great basis, but real world can be quite a bit different. So there was a woman who worked there. She had handled all of the payroll and she was lovely and she supported me and she made me feel valued. And she knew I was brand new and she really helped me kind of through those times. And the guy that I had met, the CEO, that was huge too. He took a chance on me. He had no idea but took a chance on me. So I will tell you that I learned a lot by mistakes. You know, when I remember at one point, an employee had done something and the CEO and I sat down and talked and I said, well, my HR training tells me we should fire him. And he said, hold on, Tracy, let's talk about this. You know, and we talked through, like, this is someone's livelihood. This is their life. People make mistakes. Such a good learning moment for me because my textbook told me, well, if someone does this, you should really think about terminating them. And that's not real life. People deserve second chances. Let's take a step back and look at the whole situation. So in addition to that, I found two mentors there. They had come in as insurance brokers in the company. I decided I really liked how they both, how they ran their business, how genuine they were as human beings and how other people respected them. And so I just decided I'm going to follow in their footprints. I am going to tuck myself under their wings rather than being asked to be tucked under someone's wing and learn from them. And it was a great experience. That's awesome. Like you said, trial by error happens to all of us. And then we all at some point get into a role early on in our careers and figure, this isn't what I learned in school. And it's the textbook has nothing to do with real life. And so I love that you mentioned that and just kind of every situation is different. And you don't, there's no rule book on how to take different situations. So after, you know, eight plus years that you were with Superior, they got bought out by neighbors and you went from a 3,500, you know, company, which was Superior, you know, smallish, midsize to 20,000 plus employees. You were a little shell-shocked just at the growth so quickly when a company gets bought out. You also moved from PA to Houston. It was your first time in Houston. You had just got married. I mean, so much change was happening in your career and your personal life. Can you tell us a little bit about the differences of maybe that you noticed from working on, you know, a 3,500 person company to a 20,000 plus, let's say medium-sized company, just the differences and what you liked about them. And then also at the time, you dealt with a difficult manager that just, you know, we all go through that at some point. We're not going to necessarily merge well with somebody because they don't believe in the same values and have a good culture, which is something that you're, especially in HR, so it's so important for you to make sure that people are treated well, et cetera. Can you tell us a little bit about that and maybe some advice on when you have had to deal with difficult managers that create a little bit of toxicity in the workplace? Absolutely. So as you can guess, we're driving to Texas, you know, final drive there and I'm sobbing, of course. So I sobbed the whole way there because I'm moving away from my family. And then I got to work and I made it through the first day and I went home and I sobbed the whole first night. And I thought, this is too much for me. I am made to be a small company girl. I can't handle this. I don't have any experience in a giant company. So went home that night and cried for several hours and then reverted to my story of going to college and thought, okay, Tracy, suck it up. Let's really work about, you know, see what works here. 
So I went in with a much better attitude the next day. It was shocking. Things that a smaller company can do sometimes just aren't the same things a command and control giant company can do. And so I was used to being very family oriented with our employees. And moving to this company, that was different. You know, it was more of employees were identified kind of by a number. And I have a big heart for people. And so I was wanting so badly to become not attached, but become, let me think of the right word, just more integrated with these employees. And it wasn't something that was done there. So I took a step back again and tried to learn. And it was for me, I wanted to jump in and do things how I always knew the right way was to do it. And what I learned was I needed to take a step back and kind of see how things ran here. So I did and really watched how things ran. And it was fine. It wasn't totally my comfort zone. But what I realized during that time was I didn't have the ability to take care of employees how I wanted to. That was the passion part of my job. That's what made me want to go to work every day. So I went and talked to my boss about it. And I was excited because I hadn't had an HR boss before. So this is just a few weeks in and I'm thinking, finally, somebody that I can bounce things off of and someone who will teach me. And this gentleman did not want to do any of this. To be completely transparent and maybe embarrassing to myself, he did not like me. He did not think I was good at my job. He told me one day that I was too quick to help others. And I made other people look bad by doing that. So I needed to wait on requests before I responded to things. And that was heartbreaking. I had always been patted on the back for responding to things and taking care of things quickly. So I struggled a lot. I think that it was a hard dynamic. And that's something where I advise people, you know, when you're going into a role, he was a VP and I was a director. So I slid in underneath him, no problem. I maybe didn't give him the respect right off the bat that I should have in that role because I felt that he wasn't taking care of his employees well enough. And, you know, we had a tough relationship. So going back, I could certainly have done better myself, but it was hard. It was hard having a manager that everything I said and every idea I came up with was told, no, just no, no response, no reason why. So I found someone there. Again, I decided I need an ally here. I need someone who believes in the HR I believe in that's genuinely taking care of people. So I found a woman there. She was VP of another division and I admired her. I respected her. And so I kind of just asked her, hey, you know, can you be my mentor? Can I bounce things off of you? And she became that. And it helped so much because I needed to know I wasn't crazy. I needed to know that just because I was being told no for every idea I had, that they weren't bad ideas. So I went, I found my own mentor and she became an ally. And quite honestly, someone who I look, still look up to this day. So it can be very tough, but you've got to make it work for yourself. You either walk away or you figure out a way to make it work. And now a little word from our sponsor, Technip FMC. Macy, you know what I appreciate about them as a sponsor is their mission is directed towards a more inclusive and diverse workforce. One of the reasons why we started this podcast was to move the industry forward and they back that belief. Their focus is creating a culture of inclusion that will attract, develop, and retain a more diverse, talented group and ensure their employees can always bring their authentic selves to work. Beyond the DNI, they're also big into technologies. They believe in change and innovation in everything they do. Their offerings range from individual products and services to fully integrated solutions with a single interface to ensure a seamless execution. Their core focus is on the energy transition, emerging materials, and digital industrialization. To find out more about their most popular technologies like iProduction, iComplete, eMission, and iEPCI, go to technip 
fmc.com. And now back to the show. Thank you for sharing that in such a real like life situation and like giving us all the details because I think it's really going to help a lot of people because we all go through that at some time. And, and a lot of times we say like, you know, you don't leave a company, you leave a manager and you really found a way to find somebody else within the company to support you so you didn't have to just leave at that moment and that you could still do your job and they could still grow and still learn and still be a part of the company. And maybe it wasn't your direct manager who was that supportive person to you. So I think that's really important. I would like to ask, you know, since you have been in HR for this long and we do deal with people that don't really fit the culture, they are maybe not the most supportive managers. What would you do as an HR representative to ensure that, you know, if you're in this situation between an employee and a manager, you know, how can you help support that situation and from your standpoint? We find managers a lot who are really good at their job and may have been promoted because they're good at their job, but they don't know how to lead people. Super tough place to be. A couple of things. One, I try to get those managers some management training. A management coach, huge, can be life-changing, but that's external. Internal, I think the best thing to do is from an HR standpoint, I go support that employee. Sometimes it makes for an awkward situation or a tough situation, but I like to be very apparent about supporting that employee, very open. And then I do think HR's role is to take a step with that manager. You know, part of our role is teaching and guiding. You know, when we talk about career progression, it's not just moving from, you know, a category one to a category two. It's also growing in a way horizontally and vertically at the same time where you need to grow. Maybe your soft skills need a little more training. Maybe the the way you write emails needs to be softened a bit. So I do believe that's HR's role. When we have a manager like that, HR really needs to step in and do some active work with that manager. Thank you. Yeah, I love I love what you mentioned, especially because this happens everywhere. There are bad apples in every single company. We all know that. And so to your point, it's maybe they need a little bit of coaching. They need some training. Let's give them some other tools because they are good at their job. But I think at the end of the day, when there's somebody that is so toxic, at some point, the company really needs to look at it because it's nice that you remove the employee from that situation. And they're like, okay, everything's going to be fixed. But guess what? There's a whole other generation of other people that are going to be stuck with this person. And at the end of the day, you're going to lose talent. And so I like that you mentioned all of those points. But let's get into Liberty, okay? Because you are now the vice president of HR. You seem to love being at Liberty. We love Liberty. And tell us a little bit about when they approached you initially to come over to their company. You actually declined the offer. Why? And they ended up calling you back. And so tell us a little bit about kind of how you went over to Liberty. What made you go to over to Liberty after you had said no initially? Sure. It's a crazy story. So I got a call from the vice president at Liberty, who I had worked with at Superior Neighbors before. We'd had a good long-term relationship, good friendship. I respected him a lot. And he called one day and said, hey, we're looking, we're looking for an HR person. And I thought, okay, I'm living in Houston. This is Denver, like great weather. Why not at least explore it? And it was a smaller company again. So, you know, going back to where I could build again, I could build something out. And I just love that. So I said, all right, great. You know, I'll fly out and let's meet. So I flew out and I came to Denver's Liberty's corporate office, downtown Denver. Beautiful, you know, view of the mountains. I came in and everybody was so nice. You guys, I'm talking 
everybody like so happy and so nice and I thought all right wait a minute you want me to be your HR lady and so maybe you're all smoothing me because everybody kept saying we care so much for our employees so I left and I thought all right this place is either incredibly just off the charts amazing or they were smoothing me so I went home and I thought about it and I thought I worked in this industry long enough to know there's no company that runs this well so I declined their offer and then we had a conversation and I said I just don't think there's any place that runs that well you told me all these things about how much you care about your employees and I don't think there's any company that runs that well so I agreed to come back to Denver and I said pick me up at the airport I'll bring my coveralls and steel toes and take me to the field and I'll call you when I'm done and in my head I was proving to myself that they don't treat the employees out there that well Because that's how you know. That's how you know how a company is. How do you treat those employees who are brand new, no experience, green hats, who are putting in all the physical labor? So I went out to location. They dropped me off. And I was sold. I was sold in five minutes. I couldn't believe the morale and the positive attitude and the pride to wear the Liberty logo. So I hung my head. I called them back and I said, okay, you were right. You guys are this amazing. So I agreed to come that day. I made a decision that day and said, yes, I want to be part of this. And I will tell you, that has never changed. This company is something so refreshing. You know, oftentimes an HR person is fighting the people above them saying, hey, I really want to do this for our employees. It can help. And being told no. I don't have that here. You know, positivity trickles down from the top. And when I say, hey, this is the right thing to do for our employees, the response is great, Tracy, figure out how to do it. And so it was true. They were being real the whole time. It's really a place that genuinely takes care of their people. We have to I want to add. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. It is true. When I was in the field in Midland, a lot of people were going to Liberty and it was like, there's no way the grass isn't greener on the other side in terms of the field. And when they would go over, they're like, we have two weeks on, two weeks off. They bring snacks to location. We get Chick-fil-A on location. I mean, it was just to your point. I was like, there's no way like there is no way it is that good. And to your point, a lot of the people Jamie and I have met at Liberty were like, why are they all so happy? Like, this yeah, doesn't are like, what's wrong? Something's so, wrong. I just want to put that out there that, you know, you're not trying to sell Liberty. This is reality. <laughs> yes. I love that. And, you know, as you can tell, and everybody listening, Tracy has so much energy and not a downside, but what I'd say what happens a lot of energy in people that are very driven is we kind of become self-proclaimed workaholics. I mean, Marcel and I had fallen into this bucket before and our energy drives us and our passion drives us. And then we find ourselves just like being consumed by work. This was definitely something that you fell into up until you had your child. You never came home. You worked really late. You felt like you had to do everything that you could in order to move up in the company. Even with all the support, nobody really telling you that you really felt that. And then when you had your son, you went back to work. Like You only took off like nine days, like a super short amount of time. And that put a lot of pressure on yourself. We see this nowadays we see this now we see women that feel like they can't have children because they're going to struggle coming back to work or they're going to be looked over you know how can we change this mindset and especially somebody with your experience in hr like what are we doing and why are we still sitting here today with women who feel like they can't do the one thing that we all once were with was children and like like we are the reason why you know, we're here today, but yet we're looked down upon if we have a child. So can you talk to us about this and, you know, really what you experienced and how you're inflicting change? 100%. 
<laughs> the negative part of the Tracy talk. So I was always rewarded from the time I started my career. I was rewarded for putting in all the extra hours. Like I said, answering things quickly, coming in at the crack of dawn, staying till the evening. And I knew the battle I had coming into this industry as a female. So I thought the way I get over that is be an overachiever, be a workaholic. And I had the energy to do it. So when I was single, great, no one cared. But, you know, once I got married, I was still doing it. And my focus was my career is not going to keep propelling forward if I stop working these hours. So I didn't. I lived on an airplane. I worked endless hours. I was always the first person in the office. I always stayed until after dark and everybody was gone. And I continued to get rewarded for it. So what that told me was, this is how you work forward, Tracy. You know, thank goodness I have an amazing husband who didn't leave because I didn't give the time to my marriage that I should have. I was so focused on if I don't do this, I am never going to move forward. So fast forward five years ago, I have a child, little boy, and I was in the hospital on my computer. So he's 12 hours old and I'm answering emails. My husband said, Tracy, he said, stop. And I realized at that point, like, I didn't know how to stop. Nobody was saying to me, I expect you to answer this email the day after your child's born. But I had ingrained in myself, you are making it. And if you change anything, it's going to stop. It's going to be taken away from you. So nine days after he was born, I went back to work. And very, very solidly the biggest regret in my life. I will never get that time back. I can't have any more children. So I missed so much of that time when he was young, because I felt like I had to, no one told me that I want to be very clear. No one said, Tracy, you need to come back to work. That was never said internally. I was telling myself, you have to get back there or your career is going to halt right now. The world is going to move on without you. Other people are going to take on your duties and that's it. You're stuck. Good luck coming back. So huge regret. And I didn't realize it was a regret until I don't know, probably two years later. And I started thinking, what was I thinking? And so my recourse for that is to help other women here not feel that. We have a program where you know we make sure that our women are paid 100% for their 12 weeks off, no matter what that takes. You know, There's always some short-term disability and things like that, but this country is not good at paying women for taking time with their newborns. And so we make sure that we do. We say, take this time off. Do not take your computer home. You know, We sit with the women before they go off and say, let's make sure all of your duties are taken on. When you want to check in, let's do that. Let's all get on a Zoom and see your baby. If you feel good about if you want to check in and know what's going on someone needs to tell them it's okay someone needs to say to them do not work for this time everything will still be here i think sometimes it takes a woman to say that to another woman where i will make sure you can come back to this everything will be fine but go take this time off so we have to be active about it because you know like i said certainly nothing in this country is telling us that it's great to be off and go back you know where yes you can take time off and get paid and really cherish that time with your newborn nothing here tells us that so we've got to be different we have to be outspoken about it and truly say to someone sit down face to face and say you have to take this time off it's okay and everything will be fine when you come back I think it's crucial to your point that those conversations need to be had. I love that you mentioned that you have a talk with the women before they leave, during if they want to check in, and then after. Because so many times we hear people just leave on maternity leave and they have no idea what's going on, when they're coming back, what they're coming back to. Nobody talks to them till a day they get back and they're like, here it is. And we're going through so much already with all the change. And to your point, the fear of being replaced, the fear of our careers ending. I know it may sound crazy to other people, 
but this still happens 2023 we still have these conversations with young women who are having children and they're all worried and so we think oh no everybody's moved on this isn't a conversation that is had anymore no no women are still scared to have children nowadays because we think that we're going to be replaced and we're going to get a demotion and our careers are over and so yes if you're listening to this podcast it's very important for you to make sure that your employees as a manager you have those conversations of reassurance and to your point tracy you've been through it and you're helping other women however we have seen the opposite too with certain women who didn't get a chance because maybe their maternity policies weren't good back in the day and they have a difference of like well i didn't get it and so you shouldn't get it either i was treated poorly and so you're going to be treated poorly and so that conversation also needs to change to your point is help other women on your way up you know and so thank you for bringing that up one of our questions that we had for you is over all the years that you've been in this industry, you've received feedback, whether it's from a manager, from a VP, in your reviews, et cetera. How do you learn how to take the feedback that you actually want to work on and how do you discard certain feedback, especially as a female in a male-dominated industry? You cry, you have too much energy. I don't like your attitude, you're being negative. Things that men don't necessarily get. How have you compartmentalized the feedback? It's tough. It's very tough because I think sometimes we get feedback so differently than men do. And I don't often think that's intentional or malicious, but it's an unconscious bias thing. So you breathe. Number one, breathe. When I get feedback, I don't react to it right then at all because your first response is always going to be an emotional reaction. And again, we know what mine is. So I may read it and discard it. And then the next day I'll take a look at it because I don't want to react to that feedback with emotion. Even if it's in a meeting and somebody says something, I don't take it personally because I try to remember they're not attacking Tracy Quinnell. They're attacking the VP of human resources for a decision. And so I try to separate those things. I also keep in mind that Whatever feedback I get, I can make myself better. So even if somebody does intentionally mean maybe a bit of harm in that feedback, there's probably a bit of truth in there. So take it with a grain of salt, but can I make myself better? You know, oftentimes we we hear all the time, you know, men are called assertive and and women are called a witch, but with a B. And so, you know, but sometimes, you know, if somebody would say something like that or, or, you know, she's very loud. Well, this is the voice God gave me. So I execute who I am. And that has probably been the most powerful piece for me is this is me. And I'm going to execute that every single day. And I might not make everybody happy. I might not be everyone's best friend. But if I can do the best job that I can, knowing I'm doing it ethically and morally, the rest of it, this is me. This is what you get. I've got to accept myself. Because if I don't accept myself, if I'm always trying to talk like this, and that's not my voice, I'm not shouting, this is just how I talk. Again, this is me. I'm accepting myself and executing that. Once I'm comfortable and confident with it, that's going to shine out to everyone else. I love that you described it that way, Tracy, because it's so true. But also, you did mention that there is some time when somebody gives you advice, and maybe it might be malicious or maybe not but there might be a little bit of truth in it. So it's always good to just take a moment and really kind of think about it too and see, well, maybe this part's not true, but yeah, maybe I do talk too fast or maybe I could slow down next time. But ultimately, I mean, you take that as a positive and don't always look at it as a negative because, you know, sometimes people are just trying to be supportive, even though it can feel sometimes like an attack. So I'm really glad that you shared that with us. 
To end on a great note, we want to talk about something that a lot of women probably know about, maybe not men, but it's red bottom shoes. Why would we be talking about that on the podcast is because this really meant a milestone for you. We really just wanted to just get your thoughts around what it meant for you when you bought these shoes and what you learned from it. Absolutely. So I have been, I'm not obsessed is probably a strong word and that might be an accurate one. Obsessed with red bottom shoes for years. And I can't, you know, I would see women in these shoes in ads in New York City on Wall Street. And I looked at those shoes and I thought, someday I'm going to have those shoes. And this has been, you know, from probably where I was a manager and then, you know, a senior manager and director and VP. So it's been quite some time. And I kept telling myself, someday, Tracy, you will get to a point where you deserve those shoes. You know, they're not cheap and it took some saving, but I kept thinking to myself, like, what is that day? So what I scheduled for myself was, you ever get to be a VP, Tracy, you get to buy yourself those shoes. And so I did. I became a VP just a year ago. And I went out and I ordered myself some red bottom shoes. And I put these shoes on and I feel amazing. I feel powerful. I feel like I can conquer the world. Here's the funny part. Why didn't I buy these shoes 10 years ago? Why didn't I buy these shoes when I was a manager? It's okay to feel amazing when I was a manager. It's like I told myself, you don't deserve this until you've climbed this high up. And what I want to say to everybody listening is, yes, you do. Go buy those shoes or something, whatever that is for you. Maybe it's a new scarf that you like to wear. Don't wait. You know, I'm not just good enough because I got the VP title finally. I was good enough when I was a manager and I was rocking my job. You know, I should have bought, saved up and bought the shoes back then and walked down the hallway feeling as amazing as I do now when I wear them. So I'm going to take my shoe off now. So I'm sure no one has ever done this on your podcast, but... (laughs) I am going to say for those people listening, here's the red bottoms, you know, go buy this. This doesn't mean you have made it in your career. This means you are confident in yourself. You believe in yourself. Go buy them at that point. You know, don't wait until you've reached this point. Like I said, I'm going to be 42. I would have felt a lot better in these at 30, you know, be confident in yourself. I wish I back then I would have said again to execute who I was, that I am red bottom worthy back then because you're worthy all through your career. When you are giving 110%, you're worthy, period. Mm, I love it. <laughs> love it. Like, <laughs> Very amazing, Tracy. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for sharing all your experiences with us and really ending on a high note. I think what you said is very valuable to very to a lot of women and men out there that no matter what it is that you want or what you're achieving for, you don't have to meet some title or get some executive role or something to feel like you're valued or to feel like you deserve something. So thank you for sharing. And we're just, we're so happy to have you and your support. And thank you for being here today. Thank you both so much. I have enjoyed this immensely. Thank you. Catch us on the next one. Thanks, Tracy. Bye.